now I just look back at the numbers and say, holy cow, look how much money, you know, this has brought me and how lucky I am to be able to provide this kind of life for my family and not have to think twice about, you know, paying for some medicine if my kid's sick or something, you know, this is great. On the 45 homes last, what, uh, last year, I had nine closings last month, nine wow. closings in July. So it was a big month. That's a great, that's six a great digit, month. Six digit month, man. That was pretty solid. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that was from cold calling and what I'm doing, my sphere of stuff. I'm selling my home. I'm selling so, my home. You were looking yes. for listings. Yes. Yeah, so my script was pretty much going around either a neighborhood I wanted to work in or a price point I wanted to work in. If these are luxury or staying in the middle range where homes are selling real quick and going fast. So I would focus on areas like that and I would call and say, hi, this is Richie with Remax Realty. How are you doing today? They say, great, what do you want? I say, hey, I don't wanna take up too much of your time, but we just sold a home down the street, have some other buyers expressing interest in the area. Didn't know if you had any thoughts on maybe selling. And most people say, oh, no, no, we're good, thank you. But we would hopefully get a second part in there and say, okay, I understand that. Is it something that you might revisit in the next year or two? And by asking that next year or two, or is something going to revisit, you'd be shocked with how, oh, actually, yeah, next year I'm retiring. We've got a house in Florida and we're going to be gone. And I'm like, oh my goodness, right? So sometimes you're asking people, are they looking to sell? They're thinking like right this second. But if I ask that second question there, then I got a whole bunch of people that are one to two to three years are three years out and you nurture those. And you're hopefully finding a needle in the haystack that says, yeah, I'm listing my house in two weeks. I'm in the middle of interviewing agents, right? It's after I created all this momentum and I was very good about posts, Facebook posts, holding a sign and my people loved me. I was cool with them. We're having harms around. We're doing Facebook. All right. And I did every single one. And I mean, maybe it got annoying to some people, but all of a sudden my friends are like, okay, Richie's actually proven he can, he's worthy of our, my business. And now my, most of my business now is coming from my sphere of influence and some past clients. This is Solo Agent World, where we celebrate the accomplishments of high-performing single-agent real estate practices. Hi, I'm Mike Cerrone with Mastermind Agent, and welcome to Solo Agent World, where we celebrate the accomplishments of top-performing single-agent real estate practices. Today, we're talking with Richie Hanna with Remax in Gainesville, Virginia. Last year, he sold 45 homes worth $28 million and earned $550,000 in GCI as a solo agent. His average price was $622,000 with 25% buyers and 75% sellers. He's been an agent for six years. Welcome to the call, Richie. Hey, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to do one of these. I haven't really done an interview like this online and being recorded, so excited to kind of share my story. Appreciate your time and what you do. And I, I like the whole solo mastermind mindset that you got going on. I thought this was a good fit for me to kind of share what I got going on and uh, look forward to it. Uh, this is going to be so much fun, Richie. I can't wait to talk with you and learn more about your business. But before we talk about what you're doing now, let's go back for a minute and talk about what you did before you got into real estate. Yeah. So that's a good question. A lot of people ask me that too, when I'm telling them I've been doing this only for maybe six years, five, six years. And uh, I was in the car business. So I was uh, someone that kind of was never very well, uh, a good student, uneducated, 
and uh, right out of high school, started working myself at a dealership and we kind of started washing cars and then became a salesperson. And then I was a sales manager and I was hiring, firing, training and running a, a big, big uh, outfit out there as a dealer. And that's kind of where I got started. Then from there, I just saw the money and I saw other people making a good success, just being a, an entrepreneur, an independent contractor, not let alone just a realtor, maybe a landscaper or other people I know started their own detailing company. And they took off, they worked their own hours. And I said, you know what, I've got to do something else. Uh, I worked 15 years at that dealership and I worked very hard and loved it. And the pay never continued to increase. And it was at a point where I just had to do my own thing. Wow. Okay. So uh, I like how you said, by the way, you started washing the cars. Uh, yeah. That flashed me back because that was one of my first little businesses I did was washing and polishing cars. So it's kind yeah. of funny that the, the little connection there. If you want to be successful, just start washing cars. Everything's going to work out great for you. <laughs> well, let's jump in a little more. So you said you did 15 years in this career. You learned a lot about sales, I assume, which was really nice. You learned about how to work with people and you manage the staff. And again, you worked your way up from the bottom. Uh, and, but you kind of alluded to the transition. There's some people probably listening to us. They're wondering, maybe they're, they got a nine to five job and they're wondering if they want to make that transition. You said you wanted to make more money. Big question. The very first year that you got in, what happened? Did you make more money than before? <laughs> no, it was a complete wake up call. Um, I was born and raised in the area. Tons of friends, very well liked, you know, always out being Mr. Social and thought that business would come, especially since they knew I had a sales career background, right? And it didn't come. And I, I tried to call some friends and followed some of the scripts my broker was telling me to use. And it was uncomfortable. Um, and it was terrible. Yeah, the first year was, I'll tell you, I mean, I 35, I made 35 grand my first year. Wow. How many homes did you sell that first year? Do you recall? Four. About four, four homes, homes made about 35 grand. And yeah. was, was that a reduction in your income? How much did you make your last year selling cars? Yeah, car business, I was making mid or 160 to 130 to 160. So I'd say 150 on average is probably what I'd be wow. doing. That's um, a but big you're working. Hit. Yeah, you're, it was a huge hit, um, massive hit. And it was scary, but I saved a nice little nest egg. And my wife was still working at the time. And she was a dental hygienist. So she got benefits and she was making okay money. So I said, you know what? This is the time to do it. Wow. Now you took a 75% hit on your income. You were struggling the first year. What kept you in it? Why'd you stay in it? Why didn't you just say, ah, forget this. I'm going back to car sales. Yeah. So I'll, I'll try to make this story quick. My brother has an amazing landscape construction, building pools, luxury living outdoor. And he was just doing very well. And I was like, you know what? I kind of like that more than bugging these people and being a salesperson selling homes. So I put my mindset was weak, right? I was unconfident. Um, I wasn't well with what I was doing. And I wanted to go work for my brother, work with him for about three weeks. Still did a couple calls, but I would just jumped with him real quick as his like assistant guy. And I said, uh -uh. he was good. He was making money, but I saw the money he was making. I'm like, I can do this. Richie, just stick with it. And, and then I saw a, a husband and wife team in my office that were very great people, um, but I felt they were the same caliber as I was, and they were making a ton of money. And they said, we cold call. And I said, okay. So I joined them and, 
and that's where the next year took off. So, so let me get this right. Uh, you saw this other opportunity. You saw a couple that you wanted to model. They were making good income. They were doing what you wanted to do. You found out they were cold calling. Did you say you joined their team or you mentored under them? Join their team. Aha. Uh -huh. Yes. Uh -huh. they, wanted to, they wanted to start a team. They were just a husband and wife. They left a good team. And that guy was baller, agent, rock star. And they copied what he did. And now I was pretty much going to copy what they did and actually help grow this team. And um, But I was their first employee. And they just said, this is the script. Here's the numbers. Go. And it, it kept me accountable because now I was on a team. And they were paying for this service. So I was in there in the morning every day doing the uncomfortable cold call. What happened the second year in results? Let's talk about that first. Then we're going to go into what you did. Yes. So second year results, I cleared a hundred. Yeah. I think I did a hundred something thousand. You tripled. Yeah. Yeah. I tripled <laughs> my business. Yeah, you didn't yeah. get up to where you were, but you tripled. You must've seen that things were working out. Absolutely. So, uh, in your world, I'm guessing that's maybe 10 to 12 cells uh, that second year from mm -hmm. 4 to 12, you tripled mm -hmm. up. Okay. And you said you were uh, starting to make phone calls and following a script. Tell us more about that. Well, who were you calling? What was the script? How, how many hours a day were you calling? Give us some details. Yeah, good stuff. Uh, so we had to talk to 100 people to get at least usually one yes, one appointment. Okay. We would make 800 calls, 500 to 800 calls between 8 a.m. and 1 o'clock in the afternoon, sometimes two or three. 800 calls, get 100 or so people to answer the phone because the answer rate is about 10%. You're lucky to get about a 10% answer rate when you're cold calling home phones. So you got to call about a lot of people to get those. And that's those are the numbers there. Yeah. Let me get this right. So... You were calling for five hours a day from 8 a.m. to 1 p.m., Monday through Friday. You would make about 800 dials where you were punching the numbers in or using a system to do that where it would actually go outbound. And of that, about 100 people would answer. About one in eight would actually say, yeah, about 12%. And uh, if you talked, now we're skipping over, if you talked to 100 people, you'd find one that say yes. What were they saying yes to? I'm selling my home. I'm selling oh, my home. You were looking yes. for listings. Yes. So my script was pretty much going around either a dealer, a uh, dealer, a uh, neighborhood I wanted to work in or a price point I wanted to work in. If these are luxury or staying in the middle range where homes are selling real quick and going fast. So I would focus on areas like that and I would call and say, hi, this is Richie with Remax Realty. How are you doing today? They say, great. What do you want? I say, hey, I don't want to take up too much of your time, but we just sold a home down the street, have some other buyers expressing interest in the area. Didn't know if you had any thoughts on maybe selling. And most people say, oh, no, no, we're good. Thank you. But we would hopefully get a second part in there and say, okay, I understand that. Is it something that you might revisit in the next year or two? And by asking that next year or two, or is something going to revisit, you'd be shocked with how, oh, actually, yeah, next year I'm retiring. We've got a house in Florida and we're going to be gone. And I'm like, oh my goodness, right? So sometimes you're asking people, are they looking to sell? They're thinking like right this second. But if I ask that second question there, then I got a whole bunch of people that are one to two to three years, are, three years out and you nurture those 
and you're hopefully finding a needle in the haystack that says, yeah, I'm listing my house in two weeks. I'm in the middle of interviewing agents, right? If, when you were going through, if you would get a yes, uh, and some of these yeses were immediate, but some of them were long-term, a, a year or two out, you just said, how many of those yeses would you need to get to an actual listing or to get to an appointment? Did you have any ratios there? Mm, I wish I could tell you that because they're so long. I mean, I'll have people that'll call me from three years ago that say, come, come over, come help me list the house. And I get it right. You know, so I don't know that it might be something good to try to track. Um, but I can tell you since I am going in and nurturing these folks for a while, or they, the people that appreciate when you call and communicate well over the phone and like your tenacity and your persistence and follow up without being annoying. I mostly don't get interviewed around. They like trust me, like me or know me already by that point. Um, or they do interview uh, people, but I still get it because I've got that upper hand and, and just that relationship that was built in with them. Tell me about the follow-up nurture system. What were you doing there? What did that consist of? Yeah, good. So I try to get an email. That's the most important thing uh, on top of a good contact number, but you try to get an email and I do that to, to create a monthly emailer. So I have a monthly emailer I make on BombBomb and sometimes I'll put a little video of me about what the market's doing plus a whole bunch of other information. I bring up little small stuff about uh, small business spotlights and I try to highlight a local business that's small business owned and try to give them some business and little small frou-frou stuff. So I'm sending something out monthly to these people on top of, hey, when we're talking, you're a year out. Look, I don't want to be a pest. When would it be okay to follow up with you? Call me in six months. You cut it in half, right? Anytime they tell you. So I would literally put this in my mojo dialer a CRM system, which is a dialer and a CRM system. And I say, call them in three months. And I document that. And I'm very diligent about handwritten note cards. I have actually good handwriting. I'm, I'm, that's one thing I am very happy about with my skills. And uh, I do a lot of handwritten note cards. And I've had a ton of people tell me, this is why you're here. This, this sets you apart. I like your handwriting. You're very neat. So... So the note cards, emails, and follow-up phone calls. Let's, uh, let's talk about some of that. That was really good. Okay. So you're doing these follow-ups. So you're going to send out a monthly email, and that email is typically a video of you either giving a market report or a business spotlight, a local business, uh, to highlight them. Uh, in addition, you're also sending out a handwritten card. This handwritten card, when are you sending that out? After you talk to them each time? Are you sending that monthly? How often does that go out? Yes. So it all depends on if I can get them on the phone. And that's what's great. I can track every single time I call this person and I'll either put in their left voicemail, no answer, hung up on me, whatever. And I see that. And after I'll call people 20 to 30 times in a follow-up over three years, two years, and the 21st time they answer, oh, yeah, I remember you. We're going to list. And so what? So that's, you got to be persistent. But it's also you can fall in a bad trap by staying in touch with these people that are unrealistic and they keep winging you along. So that's it's I'm not a master at that. I'm still learning that. But um, where what, what was the question again? You were going sure. How often do you send the note cards, the handwritten? Yes. Cards? So once I talk to them, get off the phone, thank them right away. So you're fresh on their memory. Then I follow up and I do my emails and depending on their timeline, if they're two years out, they're going to get one, maybe once a quarter, maybe I'll send something out during the holidays or 4th of July. Um, but if they're pretty close, I'm going to stay in contact with them. And if I don't hear from them, they're going to get another note card every month. 
at least. Yeah. So are you sending the note card if they don't talk to you on the phone or also in addition, if they talk to you on the phone? Say it's a six month follow-up. I talked to this person the very first time I sent them a note card. Cool. Call. I'm about a year or two out. Call me in six months. I call them in six months. They answer. That's been such a long period of us not really having much of seeing my face or anything. There's a lot of times they're not always opening my emails or I don't have their email address. So yes, after that six month call and we hit it off and they're still serious, another card, note card. We'll say thanking them again for that conversation. You said uh, something interesting there. On this note card, you said that they don't see my face. Do you put your face on the note card? On my business card. Uh, your business card is sl yeah. slid in there and your business card has your picture yes. on it. And one thing I do, I'll give this little trick to everybody about I, I buy these, these stickers from Staples, right? And you can put on there like, thank you, I love your referrals, all the corny stuff. But mine says, look me up on Google and Zillow. So it gives them, because I can say, check me out or look at my reviews, but they might not think of that. So I put that on my card. So my face, this, and hopefully it just, you know what I mean? Smart. Very nice. So the card, is it a generic card then? Just a, a generic open, uh, unstated uh, card? Or is this say thank you on it? What does it say? Yeah. So uh, it's, this is a company that I work with and pay for it. If you, do you care if I use their name? The Go company. ahead. Yeah, yeah Bryant Buffini and Company is a, sure. a membership I pay for. They send out cards like this uh, every month, different things related to the seasons. Some have really great statements like this one by Kobe Bryant, which is really powerful. But blank, blank, dude. Just fill it out with my handwriting, my beautiful handwriting, and stick my card with that thing on there, and out it goes. Out yep. it goes. Um, now, let's go back to the follow-up. Uh, the other part of the follow-up was the call, the phone call, which you're very comfortable making. The phone call, you mentioned something I, I want people to pick up on. You said you ask people, when should I follow up with you? And whatever answer they give, you cut that time in half. Yes. Yeah, that's an old uh, Craig Proctor used to say that. And that's a very great way to, to follow up. Uh, have you found success with that? The reason to do that is you don't want to come up when they said and they've already listed with someone else, right? Already trying to beat them to the punch. Happened to me 20 times at least. Right. Because they're call thinking when I'm going to be done, you're thinking I got to get ahead of that. Oh, yeah. Because their plans can change. It's stuff will happen, you know. And I've had it happen a lot to me. And they're like, sorry, Rich, you know. Or I don't even see it. I don't even call them. I'm, they're done. It's already under contract. I'm like, oh, my God. It's not even on the market. It's already under contract. You're like, or it's sometimes already sold. And you're like, what? Yeah. So I, I and one good thing I've learned, not from the car business, but other coaches and mentors, is I'd rather lose a sale over following up too much than not following up at all. Right? That's a great point. That's a great point. Uh, and what's the follow-up script sound like? When you call them up, they say, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to move in a year. Why don't you call me up in six months? What do you do when you call them back? Hey, this is Richie. Just wanted to follow up, check in, haven't talked to you in a while. How are you doing? You know, don't say, how are you going to sell what's going on? You just ask them, how are you doing? How things been? Just want to catch up, check in. Those are the kind of words and lingo I use and let them talk. And I try to be quiet because they'll say, ah, you know, not much. And then usually I'd say, oh, okay, I got it. But then I like shut up now and they're like, not much. But, you know, my, my husband isn't doing too well. And then they'll keep going on, which is good. But it's mostly just trying to see if they have any questions. Is there anything I can do to help? Right. Has anything changed? Would you like any updates? What's going on in the neighborhood? 
no, no, no. Okay. When, well, I don't want to be a pest. When would it be okay to follow up with you? Call me back in six months again, you know, or whatever. And that's what we would do. So, yeah. That's great. And there, there were again, gyms in there. I hope people are picking up on this. Uh, you mentioned that early on you would jump in, they would say something, you jump right in, you kind of cut them off and you learned to be silent, right? When there's open space, people want to feel the silence and the, the confidence with silence. Yeah. Because when you hear silence, I think you automatically get uncomfortable and you're like, okay, yeah, I don't want to bother you. Okay. You try, you're trying to be the nice, you're trying to be too nice, you know, and now you just got to be like kind of calm and you're the pro and you're just calling here to try to help. You know? Yeah. Just like a friend, friend would listen. Yeah. yeah yep. Friend would listen. That's good. That's very valuable. How about a couple other pieces here? Uh, you are uh, making these phone calls. Let's stick with the follow-up. What kind of CRM or database are you using to track all this? Are you using a card system, a paper system, electronic system? What are you doing to stay in track, to track all these people and make sure you're actually following up when you say you will? Yeah, definitely. So the Mojo dialer I use has a CRM in there and I put them on a calendar and I say, they tell me to call them back on this date and it goes on there. And every single day I open up my calendar and I've got 10, 15, 20, 30 follow-up phone calls that I have to make every day on top of looking for fresh business and your favorite thing, my PCSOI and working on that. That's awesome. That is awesome. So that's where you're keeping your databases in your dialer, uh, my cold calling lead generation is Mojo. My, my love on people, all my transactions that I've closed, pretty much my PCSOI is in Buffini CRM. So you have That's two CRMs that you're using. Yes. Does it get confusing at all? Or is it easy to move no, back and forth? It's great. The, the, the big one, which is the referral maker, Brian Buffini, has my past clients, my sphere of influence, which are the most important to me. All my transactions, all the money, that thing has everything there for me, which is good. It calculates everything. And then I keep my mojo for my cold calling and my reminder of who I'm going to be calling every single day. Yeah. Nice. Very good. Well, that is fantastic. Let's go, um, let's go back to the, the phone prospecting because that's how you built your business. Uh, you mentioned you were making all these calls. Your goal was to, to touch base with a hundred people a day to have a hundred conversations a day to get to your, uh, yes, you did that in five hours. So that means you were talking to 20 people an hour and that's really fast. Is this like a, a one line dialer, a triple dialer? What's going on there? Yes, exactly. So the Mojo is a dialer system on top of finding the data and using it as a system to follow up with people on a CRM system. It's great for that. So yeah, calling. So what you do is you can call one line, two line, or three lines at a time. And we are calling three lines at a time because again, most people aren't answering their home phone. A lot of the numbers we're using are home phones. Cell phone numbers are starting to become more popular in our data. So we're starting to get that, but the it's unreliable. I'm calling people in Canada and they're like, dude, I just woke up. What? What state are you in? I'm like, oh, sorry. You know, but, um, but yeah, so that's that's kind of what we would we do with that. Cool. So uh, where did you get the phone numbers to call? How, how do you get the database of people to call? You said you're calling around neighborhoods that you like or you want to list them, but how do you actually find out these names and phone numbers and addresses? 
Yes, good. So on this system, you can find that. You can look up FISBO numbers, expired numbers, or you can do something called a geographic search. And I will search a radius of a neighborhood or a zip code or a county. Um, and you would data and you just literally click a couple buttons and it downloads all these numbers right into my list. It's either my zip code or my neighborhood or whatever. And boom, dials it in. There they go. You click two buttons. You're down three people at a time. And when someone picks up, boom, it answers, hangs up on the rest. And you just usually have a headset in and you're just taking notes. You're on your computer looking stuff up. And what's cool is when this thing pops up with their, they say, hey, Joe Schmo pop, you know, answered. There's a button you click and it opens up a Zillow and it opens up a Google. So I can do a Google map. I can do a Zillow real quick. Like, oh, well, what do you think my house is worth? I can be, you know, at least you've got these tools right there you can click on. So when you're talking, you've got some resources at your hand, your fingertips. That's great. Now you said you're downloading it through the, from the system. You're talking about Mojo Dialer, mm -hmm. right? the, the Red X company, right? So No, it's different. Oh, Mojo Red Dialer X is, is different than Red X. Yes, correct. Red X is the competitor to Mojo, just like Vulcan 7 and a couple other ones. Yes. Oh, maybe I, I lost track. Maybe they split up. <laughs> okay. No. Well, good. Yeah. Uh, have you used uh, Vulcan or any other competitors to Mojo? I tried Red X for a little bit and the team who got me really heavy on cold calling was using this. And that's why I went with the Mojo. And I like it. They're great support good pricing, that is accurate. And what's even great too is you can find other sources for your data. Crisscross, I think is another company. There's a couple different ones that you can pay and get lists, unlimited amount of lists of phone numbers, emails, and addresses. You've been doing this now for five years because the first year you weren't making these calls. Uh, you learned, you uh, tutored underneath a, a couple by the way, how long were you with them? Are you still with them? Did, or did you go out on your own? What happened there? Right. Great question. So yeah, one year I was with them about a year and was kind of kicking some steam and doing some cool things. And I'm like, I can kind of do this on my own. And um, so I said, look, I love you guys, but I'm going to do my own thing. And we split parts. So yeah, I've been doing this on my own as a solo agent, hundred percent by myself for four years, about at four least. Four years yeah. now. Now yeah. you've been doing this on the cold call side. What kind of results have you been able to achieve? Like how many listings are you taking a, a week or a month or a year? Or, you know, Give us some metrics. Now you've been doing this a while. Is somebody listening, why would they want to do this? You know, What kind of results have you received? Yeah, good. So like you said earlier uh, with one of my things, 70, sometimes 80% of my business is listings. And like they say, you got a list to last. I have a family. I respect my time. Uh, they talk about having leverage and all this stuff in real estate. And that where I saw if I don't have this big team and I don't have these resources with all this money, I got to pay other people. What's the best way? And that was it. It was, it was listing. So um, I can tell people that was the driver for me is one, while I'm doing my social media and I'm doing my fancy emails and my Facebook posts, I'm also calling, right? You're sitting at home making calls and you're working on your business because you have two screens. You know, you got two screens going on. Money, that is so time worthy. You're getting such a bang for your buck. You're not driving all over the place. Very easy for me to do that. And that's why I felt comfortable going that route. Instead of going and door knocking all over the neighborhood and sweating my you know what off, I'm in my comfortable home, in my comfortable chair, staring at a computer, and I'm multitasking while 
doing other real estate tasks, which is great. Great use of my time. Are you still calling five hours a day? Now, the point that I really liked about cold calling as a new agent and why people should do this if you're a newer agent is after I created all this momentum and I was very good about posts, Facebook posts, holding a sign and my people loved me. I was cool with them. We're having harms around. We're doing Facebook. All right. And I did every single one. And I mean, maybe it got annoying to some people, but all of a sudden my friends are like, okay, Richie's actually proven he can, he's worthy of our, my business. And now my, most of my business now is coming from my sphere of influence and some past clients, which is fantastic. And so, no, I'm not making as much cold call to new business, but I am still doing a lot of follow-up to nurturing. And when I get a little slower or I feel like I feel a little bad about myself, I need some more listings. I definitely hone back in. I still try to call monthly, um, but I'm not doing it five hours a day every day. No, definitely. How many hours of cold calling do you think you're doing now per week? Per week, easy five. So I'd probably say five to six, not much. So about an hour a day now, yep. whereas you were doing five hours a day, you've been able to pull off. You mentioned a great point there. You took the evidence of success that you were having these photos to show the proof that you help these people buy and you use that with your PCSOI, your, your sphere of influence, your past mm -hmm. clients to show them that you could do more business for them, that you really are the guy that can help them with real estate and that that eventually started to pick up and take over this time slot of that you were making these phone calls. Let's go to the phone calls for another couple minutes. There are people listening to us and they get nervous when they hear about making cold calls. They have call reluctance. They're, they're scared of the phone. It's a 300-pound weight. They can't pick it up. Did you have that? And if so, how'd you get over it? I absolutely still have it every day almost when I do it. But uh, you have, one, a little bit of music to get ready. Um, hitting the gym in the morning and just getting in a good feel spirit, right, before you get to the office is going to make you feel more confident. So I think now I just look back at the numbers and say, holy cow, look how much money, you know, this has brought me and how lucky I am to be able to provide this kind of life for my family and not have to think twice about, you know, paying for some medicine if my kid's sick or something, you know, this is great. Um, so that's what keeps me going. It's like, this is, this is old school, but this is a people business. It's a communication business and nothing starts without a conversation and time. You do not get time back. Time is your most valuable asset. You hear that everywhere. You can make more money, but you can't make more time. So I think being efficient on how I run my business, that's another reason why cold calling. I love my Popeyes and I love maybe to go door knock and have these client events. It's expensive and it's time consuming. Sitting down at your phone <laughs> in a computer and even actually doing something else. What the heck? That's where you got to be like, let's just do this. Stay focused, you know, and know the numbers. I'm telling you 100 people you're going to talk to that may, and on one. Yes. So 99 people are going to say no or really be really mean to you. And that's OK. It's all right. They're having a bad day. <laughs> that's interesting, right? You've learned that it's not you when they say no. It's probably them. It's probably something going on in their world. They're having some challenge or issue, and you just happen to be the one standing there that they're letting it out on. And it's easy. You're over the phone, right? You're not even standing yeah. there. It's just a right. Right. Exactly right. 
So you're you're kind of a counselor. You're <laughs> you're letting them vent a little bit so they can yeah. get with their day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sometimes. Yeah, in your attitude, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's do this. So we're gonna go into next. We're gonna talk about uh, your marketing to your to your referrals for referrals, repeats and referrals, your past clients. But we're not gonna go there yet. I want to just ask you a couple fast questions. Um, first, people want me to ask this to confirm, and that is that you sold. 45 homes in one year, almost for a month, uh, as a solo agent. Is that true? Yes. Cool. And the next question then is, did you have any administrative assistants? If so, what did they do? Who were they and what did they do? As, and when I say who are they, what's their title? Yes, great. So just to knock on the 45 homes last, what, uh, last year, I had nine closings last month. Nine wow. closings in July. So it was a big month. That's a great, that's six a great digit, month. Six digit month, man. That was pretty solid. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that was from cold calling and what I'm doing, my sphere of stuff. Yes, I have a transaction coordinator, found a rock star transaction coordinator virtually, never even met her in my life. And she is a, amazing. And I pay her per deal. That's it. She's not on payroll. She's not on anything. I just pay her per deal, every single one. And she makes me look great. She stays on top of everything. Excellent use of your money. How much do you pay her? Oh, two fifty a deal. It's very low. A closing. Yeah, two fifty nice. a closing. And, and she's a, a independent contractor, so you don't have to pay for employee taxes and everything else. She can go represent other people and work for other people, and everything is good. That's how that works. Yep, uh, and it works well for you. She's doing so. People when they get a a, a a transaction coordinator, a lot of times they say, well, they're not doing everything. They're not doing what I would do. Did it take a while for you to get her up and running and, and trained in what you wanted to have done? Yes. They want, they need to learn your systems and your processes. They knew all the dot loop or the DocuSign. They've done a ton of transactions. So their systems and how they repeat and stay on top of everything was probably better than mine actually. But how to say it and when to say it was how I had to massage it. And there was other things I wanted to add in my little pieces too, like, Hey, now that we're under contract, here's a quick little checklist on what you need to prepare for, you know, getting boxes this is what's going to happen during the home inspection, yada, yada, yada. They wouldn't be sending that stuff, right? I have to give them that information with my marketing material to help send that. So there was a very minor tweaking. Actually, the people I found are like, I swear, like, goodness, they're amazing. Amazing. That's amazing. And how did you find them? I have another rock star agent around here. Um, and I just asked her who she used. And she said, Oh, you got to use this girl. And I used her and she continues to grow her company. Like she gave me another agent of hers because she's growing. And I knew a difference right away. And I said, uh-uh, I need you back. And she said, Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I understand. Um, so you can tell when, when someone gets switched around, but she's growing, she's doing great. And I, I love it. Yes. That is fantastic. Now you mentioned, uh, so you, let me get this clear. You have one uh, 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 administrative assistant who's doing your transaction coordination uh, on a flat fee per closing. Anybody else helping you out as far as uh, an assistant? Yes, I hired my first full-time assistant this year. Um, very rocky beginning, you know, because you had to stop everything to help and train and learn. This is new to me, so I'm falling and failing all over the place just like anyone would. Um, but yes, hired my first full year. So all the couple of years, no, I was doing everything. MLS, photos, home inspections, putting up signs, 
grocery delivery, shoebox, changing this, everything. I'm telling you, I was doing everything. And finally I got her, she's doing a lot of the administrative tasks. And at first it was a scared big jump for me. It was a good amount of money. Um, I try to run a slim lean machine business. I work hard for my money, but um, worth every penny, just like the transaction coordinator. I was scared to get my transaction coordinator, a little rough at the beginning, the best thing that's ever happened to me. Same thing now with my virtual assistant or my transaction or my assistant, who I call a client care specialist, by the way. She is my assistant with a client care specialist, which is a nicer name than that. And uh, she's a rock star. She took up so much time back to me where I can not just maybe make more money, but spending time with my family, spending more time on me. It's been great, great to hire her. But it sounds like what you got there was you bought back more time than just actual leverage into more income. Now that sounds like it's going to happen, but really you were getting back your time. Yes. Yes. That time you can then spend with your family. So people listening who got their business up and running, want to spend more time with family. One option is an administrative assistant. And as you just heard from Richie, it might take a little while to get them up and running, recognize that going into it, but it works out. You just told us you had nine closings last month, $100,000 a month. That's so cool. I remember 20 plus years ago, that was such a milestone to have a $100,000 a month. Uh, if you hit it, it was a pinnacle moment and you just hit it and achieved it. You got to be excited. That had to be really fun. Yeah, it was great. And, and another thing to chime in on that assistant of mine, I would have last year I sold around August or September, I did eight or nine too, another big, huge month but I pulled my hair out. Like I was burnt out, buddy. I was done this time. I didn't even know I was selling nine homes until I looked back at my numbers. Oh, I got nine closings this month. Right. So that's also the difference is like the stress kind of comes down. There's more of like a team feel going on and someone's got your back. I can take vacation without thinking the whole, well, you know, world's going to fall to pieces. So it's a lot more than just like you said, the time it's the stress. It's the, the good feeling you get that your business is protected by someone else, kind of, you know. Right. They're looking after it for you. Right. So you're able to clear your mind to if you're a hard charger, you can do more business. But if you're a family person, you can now spend time with your kids, your wife, your spouse. You can spend time with these people that matter and be there, be there focused with them. Right. Not distracted. Yeah. That's what this right. assistance really buying you. Right. Yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. And that, that made a big difference. Yeah, yeah. That is fantastic. I, I appreciate you uh, sharing that with us. That's some pretty cool stuff. Now, there's some people wondering now that you uh, they've understood your business model and what you're doing. Could you describe your ideal day? What does that look like? Yeah, ideal day is um, I'm up by 5.30 at the gym by 6, 6.30, one hour workout get home by 7.30, protein shake or a little hand, you know, the powder stuff. I just throw in a water cup and cold water, get my dog. I got a Siberian Husky. That's one of them that I lost right there. Um, but uh, walk the dog for 20 minutes, listening to some podcasts. The podcast has been huge for me. And that's what it really, I think, changed my life from a car salesman to being an entrepreneur was the podcast the motivational type of stuff, but the personal growth and development, huge. That's all I listen to when I'm at the gym for that hour. I'm not listening to like rock music. I'm listening to like 
Eric Thomas and Les Brown and Zig Ziglar. And I mean, all these Tony Robbins, I mean, just so many different people Ed my There's so many different people that are on these things I'm listening to. And it's just amazing what I think that's trans doing for me as a human. <laughs> that is yeah. cool. That is cool. So you're, uh, you're educating your mind. You're getting your mind in the right mindset. Uh, you're getting the right vision uh, that's coming out of these uh, sessions and you're doing it early in the morning, right? To set your day on the right path. So after you go on your walk and you listen to the podcast, what do you do next? Yeah, shower, shower time, and then uh, out the door. Say bye to the family, and I go to my office. I have an office that I uh, I was with Keller Williams, and I went with Remax about a year or two ago. And the great, great broker, great family, great people there, but they also had an office five minutes from my house. Like I can ride a bike there if I want to. And I thought, again, getting my time back, why traffic is horrible where we live here in Northern Virginia. I mean, it's worse ever. And so I said, look, I can't be sitting in a car for an hour doing nothing. So that was very important. So I do go to the office, which is great. Holds me accountable. I can grow a team there, which got my assistant comes in every single day. We work side by side. And that gives me somewhere where I can zone out from my family and, uh, and uh, things that would st- distract me, right? Like yeah, I even sometimes when I'm here, I'm looking outside the grass. I'm like, oh, I need to cut my grass. You know, you'll stop. You won't, you won't make calls, right? You won't take it serious. So I get out and go to my office and then I'm there. I'm there in the office till at least noon. And then I get lunch. Sometimes I come back. Sometimes I don't. Depending on if it's family or the weather or showings, closings. Um, but if you're diligent with making calls, I think for a long time, you only need to work in the morning and you, you should be okay. You know, what are you doing during that morning time that you're in the office? Straight up sitting down at my desk and I'll do my follow-up phone calls or I'll make the cold call hundred percent. That's always happening from eight to 10, no matter what, or I'm yelling at my assistant about something she did. I just <laughs> Cool. And then in the afternoon, you're keeping that open to go out, uh, listing appointments, showing appointments, closings, inspections, whatever else needs to happen. That's more flexible. Is that what I'm hearing? That's exactly right. Exactly right. And then what happens as far as evenings and weekends? Are you working during the evenings and weekends? Are you able to get home? What's happening? What's the re- what's the reality? The reality is by 530, 6 o'clock, yeah, I've got a lot of listings going on. So if an agent's going to call me about a deal, I'm going to pick it up. And sometimes I might work till eight or nine at night, but I'm not working 8 a.m. to nine at night, right? I'm working eight to, to noon, do a little bit if I have it. And then if stuff comes up here and there, yes. But most of the time, no, I'm not taking a call with you right now at five o'clock, not doing anything. After this, I'm going to go eat some dinner with my family and maybe do a little couple of emails. But no, I'm not. I'm not grinding crazy where it's just overwhelming. You know, don't get me wrong. I'll still get in there and I'll hustle and I will do the five o'clock and some weekends. But most of the time, if you're a listing agent, you can control your schedule good enough where you don't have to work that that much on the evenings and the weekends. The assistant that you have. Uh, the client care manager, client care specialist, I think you called her. Uh, yeah. Is she W-2? Is she an employee? Are you paying her and taking out taxes? Are you doing that yourself? Did you hire a service? What are you doing? Yes, great. So I hired ADP, probably one of the most expensive accounting ones. I try to go with all the cheap ones. 
I couldn't get anyone on the phone. It was the most frustrating process because you need your SCC, your federal ID, your LLC, your S-Corp. I was like, what the hell are you? I was losing my mind. So yes, I do pay and it's worth again, the penny. It's not cheap, but it's not expensive. It's it's $50 a month or something. And then they charge you for every check you cut or something. But yes, I pay for a system, which is ADP to pay my taxes out of my checks that I'm doing and to manage all that. Yes. That's for your employee. Um, Are you doing your own books? Are you having them do your books? Are they, are you paying yourself a W-2 or uh, how are you handling that? So uh, since I'm an S corp, supposedly you're supposed to have to pay yourself some sort of salary. So yes, I'm paying myself a salary from that. And out of that salary, I pay taxes out of that. I, so I cut my check. I still cut myself 10 grand a month. And out of that, they automatically take out the taxes that need to be paid to whoever they need to be paid to. And it's all documented, done by one click of a button. And I'm happy. <laughs> I don't have to worry about anything else. That's fantastic. Let's do this. Let's get back into some marketing. Uh, you mentioned that your business has shifted over time. You started with the cold calling. Uh, you were fresh. Basically, what I was hearing is that you're speared. You knew a lot of people, but they weren't convinced that you could help them yet. So that took a little bit to build up that confidence on that side with them. And so you went out and did the cold calling. You proved yourself with strangers, so to speak. You were just randomly doing these call arounds. Uh, you, you, you cut your teeth on it, got good at it. But then over time, you shifted and your business is now much more repeat and referral. In fact, what percentage is it? I think I saw that. You're about 70% now, repeating referrals. Does that sound correct? Yes. Now, that's also my sphere of influence. Right. I guess, so I guess, if, yeah, you kind of put that in there. They're not really referrals. Clients, they're just people that, sphere of influence. Yeah, but they're people that kind of know me and saw me on Facebook and say, hey, I saw you sold Jimmy's up mama house. And now I'm thinking that you've been doing a great job. You know, can you help me? And I'm like, yeah, no one actually referred him to me. Right. But that is your sphere of influence, I guess. Right. Because he's a Facebook friend. So. So yeah, so that repeat referral and sphere of influence is now, yeah, that much. Let's talk about what you're doing to make that happen today. So do you have an annual marketing plan, a plan that you have for the whole year to go out to these past clients and sphere of influence to keep yourself in front of them? You said that very early on. You want to keep your face in front of them so they don't forget you. What's your plan to do that? Help out, help us see what it looks like an outline over the course of the year. What's the annual marketing plan? Yes. So I wish I had it with me here, but uh, it's a, it's a thing that I use and pay for through the Buffinian company um, referral thing. Um, But yes, they have every month and they have in there, what are we going to do as far as a Popeye? Are we going to do a client appreciation event? Um, uh, What kind of, how many note cards we're going to be sending out? And so, yes, I have one done. Do I follow it? No, I'll be honest with everyone. I'm not perfect at any of this stuff I'm telling you right now. I'm just somewhat consistent and I'm getting better at it and it's helping me grow. And I want everyone else to know that too. It's like, I'm nothing special by any means, but you can just do whatever you want. Just be consistent at it and you'll be great. But that's just the way, what I, what I do is with those people is just, that's the main thing is the follow up. So uh, what I heard was you have a plan in there are Popeyes. That's where you go to their house. You knock on the door. You say hello. You hand them a gift. 
and you, it's usually quick and you move on, but you were face to face with them. So they don't forget you. Correct. Yes, that's right. I just did pickles with my recent one. I grew some cucumbers in my backyard, cut them off. My wife jarred them. And my thing says your referrals are a really big, de big deal. <laughs> I put that on there, my card and went around and hung it. And people loved them. They thought it was such a great idea. I even put that on Facebook. Got a lot of people looking at it like, Oh, that was so cool. So little things like that are what I'm doing. Yes. Popping by with little valuable gifts, nothing crazy expensive. How many people are in your database of PCSOI? How many people are in the database that are past clients or what you would consider sphere of influence? How many people are you handing pickles out to? Um, that's, that's a thing. I think you kind of have a system and so do I of who gets what, and that's all rated on how well are they not? Well, I should, it's a bad word for me. How many referrals they're sending me, right? If there are people that rave me, raving clients love on me, send me referrals all the time. They're getting something once a month, maybe. Okay. If not quarterly, but usually once a month. And I mean, I'm talking fireworks for July 4th. And um, what's the big things I do? Wrapping paper for Christmas time, uh, pumpkins for for Halloween, and I get the big jumbo ones too. So it's just a lot of those little things. But the good people that continue to send me business, I really try to give a little bit more attention to. And that's how I play that role. So you've got a big list of X, but there's a smaller subset that you see as the best referrers they're the ones you're handing pickles to or some special thing once a month. And then the rest of them, you're trying to still stay in front of them, though, at least quarterly. Did I get that yes, right? Yes, sir. Yep, Give that's us some right. of the perspectives on numbers, because we've got some numbers people that like to listen. How big is the group in total? And how big is that group of those special people? I'll tell you now, I thought I wrote it down. I thought I had it written down somewhere. It's not that big. I'll tell you that much. I want to say it's around 100 relationships. Um, sorry, but go ahead. I don't have that number. But I want to say it's 100. Oh, okay. Sorry. 265 is the number. 265 is my sphere of influence. 265. Now, is that your past clients and your sphere? Okay, yes. Together? Good. Yes. And then you, you have a subset that you said are the real hot ones that you'll go talk to monthly, the ones that support your business the most. Mm -hmm. Do you know how many people are in that group? Mm, I always say 20, if that. 20. So it's a top 20. Here's the big question. Yeah, 15, 20. The top 20, the top 15, 20. I'm going to go with the 20. It's easier for me to say. Good. Remember. Yeah. The top 20, how many how many closings did that represent in the last 12 months? The top 20. I couldn't tell you. Ah, okay. Do you think you. it was majority of the referrals? Oh, no. I would say it was probably like 35% of it. 35. Which is still healthy, which is still healthy. Well, 10% is creating 35, right? If we run the right. math real quick, in fact, it's even less than 10%. So maybe 8% right. is creating 30%. So they're doing referrals about four times the effort, uh, four times the amount that the other people are, if you run mm -hmm. the math real quick. And I just, I could be off, but that's what I'm seeing in my head. Yep. Uh, so they are special. That was my point. There's a reason to go out to these people. Mm. You're seeing it because you're feeling it. You're seeing them contact you all the time with a repeat or referral. You know it inherently, 
which it'd be fun to do the math and see exactly how much is kicking out. I bet it's it's going to be surprising. But it's good that you did it. You know that these are your top people, right? You know that love on them in a heavy way. Yeah, absolutely. Especially growing, going from 35 grand to where I am now. These, some of those people were the first people that really let me work with them when I was new, right? And now they're still sending me business. So they're really special to me. They're not just, oh, they sent me a couple of referrals. Like these people used me and believed in me and gave me solid reviews when I was a baby. And that gave me so much confidence to be where I am now. And I'm so thankful for those people. So that's why they get loved on big time. <laughs> they were foundational advocates. They helped that's you right. set the whole thing up. That's right. Yeah, and you treat them special. And that goes for them wanting to do it again, right? Because you yeah. reward what you want people to repeat. Yep. Another great lesson you just brought to us. Very good. Very good. Um, anything else you think people should know if they want to get more repeat and referrals that they should be doing? The client event. That I did my first one after five, six years doing this, built up a good database. I finally did my first one, but I went hard. And um, it went big. And that was a very nice event. That was good. Kids came. I touched people. I mean, I touched people. I had face painters. It was a very touching, great event where people saw and got the vibe and was feeling everything. So that, I think, client events do make a big difference and separate you and show that you really care. And you will stay top of mind of those versus, you know, uh, a magnet that you send them with the you know, football schedule on there. So what was the event? Brewery. I sent everyone to a brewery, hosted a private place, private area with its own bathroom, its own bar. Um, I catered food, a very nice restaurant, barbecue catered. I've got catered food and I had open bar and I invited a hundred and something people, 80 RSVP'd and 45 showed up and it was families so as far as 45, I would say probably 45 groups came. Yeah, 45 groups with families came by. It was great. Great time. Great time. And it did, did you get any business directly out of that? No. No. But you it's know bad. it's going to come. Oh, I, I got people talking that no, because that when I was there doing a big raffle, I raffled off a couple of gifts. And I talked about how thankful I am for your referrals and I, my family was there and like, this is how you support my business and my family. And they're like, Holy cow, we get it. Like, this is how this guy makes a living. I'm like, yeah, what do you think? I get salary here, people like, come on, I need him. You know? So that I think really honed into people like, man, he really cares. And this is a big, this is a real deal to him. We need to take it more serious too. So with your experience with events now, would you do more? Would you do another event? Do you have any plan? Yes, the next one I'm, I haven't have it locked in yet, but the next one is instead of me going around dropping off pumpkins like a madman again, I'm going to take them to a pumpkin patch, and I'll pay for everyone to get in. It's a nice big, huge uh, farm, and it's like a market, and they have rides and sleds, and they can pick their own pumpkin, and I'll have people just come and have a blast there on me. I think that's that's what I'm going to lock in. Yeah, cool. So two a year I'm going to try to do. Well, Rich, we have a, a pretty good view of what your business looks like now. Thank you for sharing that with us. Uh, the next question people are going to have is, you know, they've heard you got some expenses, although they think maybe you don't because you're doing the cold calling. So they, they're a little confused. Help us out. Are you profitable? Yeah, big time profitable. I would say very profitable. Uh, 
are you going to ask me a number? I am. That's the next question. What percentage do you think is your net profit? The percentage. Uh, net profit. Bring it a hundred dollars. How many falls to the bottom that you can use uh, before you pay taxes? Before I pay taxes, because taxes are killer, man. Oh man, I'm I'm up at seventy percent. I'm probably I'm keeping seventy percent of that money. Easy. There's no over. I'm not paying for any leads. I'm buying some popcorn and some pickles and a couple of this and that. I'm doing handwritten note cards. That 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 thing is very cheap. These are some very low cost, old school, manual intensive type of stuff, and it pays off. I don't, you know, it's been great. I don't have a big split. I don't have to pay all this money to all this advertising. Fantastic. I'm saving a lot of money, and that's what made it so much easier for me to hire out some of this business is I was being smart with where I was spending, you know, and, and thinking I'm doing it right. I'm sure I'm spending money in the wrong places too, but continue to work on that. That's awesome. Well, Richie, uh, if you were going to advise a brand new agent, just getting in the business, what would you tell them to do first? Fail as much as you possibly can. Do not Think about learning the contract inside and out and having to know every addendum. Get on the phone and talk to people. The more people you talk to, the more homes you're going to sell, period. That's great advice. It all comes <laughs> and, down to conversations. And I hear it, and you hear this too a lot from a bunch of very highly successful people. You have to love or learn or like what you, um, you have to do what you don't like to do when you don't want to do it at a very high level if you want to be successful. So I don't want to make cold calls, but I do it, right? Certain things you don't want to do, you just do, and you get good at it. And that's what will help you grow faster than Facebook and anything else like that. And it's paid off. Well, Richie, I've come to the end of my questions for today. Do you have any parting thoughts for the listeners? Uh, no, I think, you know, if I can do it, Anyone can do it, really. I, I still feel unconfident, uneducated at times. Uh, this market is shifting that's coming around. And I think your relationships and your referrals are going to be the people that keep you in business during these times. I really do. So those are the people you need to work on and focus on because they're going to help you get through something that might be coming, right? Very good. Very good. Well, Richie, this has been a lot of fun. Thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, thank you, guys. It's been very nice. I appreciate you having me on. Uh, thank you, Richie. Well, that's it for now. Thanks for joining us on Solo Agent World. Keep moving forward. Bye.